0: In the following live session recording, Melita Thomas, VBS and Kids Specialist with Lifeway Christian Resources, discusses the ways preschoolers learn. As teachers, we often want to teach in the ways we like to learn best, but this may not always meet the needs of the preschoolers we teach. In this session, the listener will explore the ways God made preschoolers to learn and help teachers harness unique learning approaches to meet the needs of every child in the classroom. Let's join Melita now. Wait. so <clears throat> I'm going to make everybody get up and move a little bit, and come right back to your spot, mm-hmm. move the cheese or anything, is that right? Yeah, uh-huh. I move my cheese, Oh uh-huh. yeah. you. Know that uh-huh. <laughs> so everybody can come back where they're, where they're cheesiest. <laughs> but on the back wall, I've written some different ways that we like learning. So when you have to take in new information, how do you like to do it? There's probably several up there that resonate with you. I want you to choose two and say these are my top two. When I have something that's brand new or I need to be able to remember it, this is my go-to. And I've put um, two post-it notes on top of your handout. So we're going to get to vote. To kind of see where the room is here. So take a, take a minute, read through them, decide what your chip top two are, and then go put your sticky notes up on them or next to them, somewhere around them, so we can tell oh, if they go with you this. Write one. On. What do we write on them? No, no, you okay. just going to we just going <laughs> to go with the actual note. Oh, okay. 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 Just go stick it up on that one. Okay. You guys are so good. Well, we'll go through them in the order that's on the back of the sheet. If that's all right. So, which group had the first one? Senses. We oh, yeah. did. Senses. Everybody knows what their senses are, right? We've mm-hmm. got eye, eyesight, mm-hmm. hearing, tasting. Mm-hmm. Got our hands, mm-hmm. got our feet. We've got all kinds of things that help and us to take forward. in sensory information. So, seeing, touching, tasting, smelling, hearing—these are all tools for learning, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with preschoolers. Yes. Especially. This is what makes it so much fun. This is, a, this is part of the learning process. Ever wondered why a baby takes something and puts it in his mouth automatically? And that's part of the way God made little ones to learn. You take it all in. You experience it with everything you've got. And that's how preschoolers learn. So We need to make sure that we're allowing kids to use as many of their senses as possible during each and every session. Because the more they are able to experience it with them, their whole selves, the more impactful the learning is. The senses are a huge thing. That means we can use food, textures, sounds, smells. All of those things are great. Uh, there's there's something I love. Um, one of the, the groups in my church, my preschool area has a Sunday where they make apple cinnamon pancakes. Mm-hmm. And you can smell it as soon as you get there. And the kids are so happy to come into the room. I saw one of my Facebook memories this morning was you know eight years ago uh, it must have been a Sunday morning and um, I had put a little uh, overheard in kindergarten Sunday school this morning and the quote was a child came in and said if there is food I'm doing that one first. (laughs) (laughs) That is my kind of child. (laughs) So there's there's something to be said for having things you know different every Sunday. Something where there's sometimes (coughs) times Sometimes times, yeah. Sometimes there are times we taste things, there are times that we use music, that we use sound, that we try to match using just our ears or just our eyes or just our nose. That's fine. It's engaging for kids. Alright. Next one up is curiosity. curiosity. Which group had curiosity? And you guys got it quickly. Nice work. Curiosity. That's what drives a child to explore. That's the impetus for learning. That's why kids are always asking, why? Right? Because they're curious. They're trying to figure out how the world works and what their place in the world is. And so curiosity is a very valuable tool. So if you can meet a child at the door with something that helps them come in the room more easily, right? There's something engaging them, something they're curious about. Where does this go, or how does this work together? Uh, you can even stimulate a child's curiosity in ways like with puzzles. Going ahead and taking some of the pieces out, they're curious about where they go back, which piece goes where. So you can just take two or three pieces out of a puzzle and lay it to one side, and the kids will come by and go, hmm and put it back in every time. And then they may engage with the puzzle when they have never done it before. Because there's something that sparked their curiosity about it. Uh, putting things under things, covering and revealing, that's a great way to spark curiosity. Having something unusual like a butter churn, you know, or what are we going to do with this jar and this marble and this thing of milk? Hmm, we're something as simple that we've been doing People were doing that with my mom and my grandmother in their Sunday school classes, but it's novel for these kids. So using those things is a great way to inspire curiosity. Make sure I've got what else. Uh, Curiosity encourages a child to find out new information, to use items in new ways. It also um, is what leads to investigation, and investigating is a key way for a child to learn. So, easy peasy, right? We've got two, what's next? Hands-on experiences, and you guys had, who had experiences? Excellent. You didn't? Oh, doing. Yeah, yeah, doing. That one was a lot easier than hands-on experiences. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right? Yeah, doing. That's how preschoolers learn. They want to have interactive games. They want to be doing. They don't want to sit and listen only, right? You know, they, they they just can't. They've got to be moving all the time. They need to be able to interact with real objects and real people. This is something that's key in my, my next session. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek here. The next one I'm doing today is about um, a research project that, we, that Lifeway Research did about Vacation Bible School. And one of the very interesting things we uncovered was this generation of children that we're raising right now uh, this should be no surprise, but they are so connected to a device, right? This is where we interpret information. This is where we learn new stuff. This is how we interact with our friends. This is how we tell the world who we are. Everything is right here. And because they're so connected here, they're so incredibly lonely and isolated, even from their families. And so we discovered that our research on di- on vacation Bible school was Confirming research that's being done in other secular areas that are saying that this generation of children is already at anxiety levels that are epidemic. At uh, this is the loneliest generation of children that we have ever seen, and it's 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 fascinating and it's heartbreaking. And so, what children need is something the church can provide. Children need real. Face to face contact with real people, with people who love Jesus and who love them, and that's what Sunday school does for us, right? An opportunity to build a relationship, we Just got a message about a sixteen-year-old that just took his online, and you know, that that just kind of speaks to the, you know, the loneliness mm-hmm. that They're so isolated. There's nowhere else Can't to talk go. To anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a real, a real, well, a privilege. Of getting to do that and so um, while I'm a, a big fan of technology and I love the way it's made our lives easier and I love the way that it's a great tool to use in my classroom, I keep, try to keep it really to a minimum because I don't want ever a screen or a device or a video to take the place of a real life interaction because uh, to me especially for a preschooler the lesson is not what's in the leader guide I'm the lesson I'm a teacher. I'm demonstrating who God is in a very physical, tangible way to a child. So the way I love, the way I watch, the way I listen, the way I interact, the way I demonstrate that love is, is real, It's tangible, It's important foundationally for a child's spiritual development. And so that did not happen through a video. But that can happen through us. And so that's, that's cool. That's a privilege. And, and giving kids the opportunity to have these real-life interactions, these hands-on uh, experiences, really helps to drive learning in a, in a perfect way. Because this is the way that God wired preschoolers mm-hmm. to learn. So I got a little ahead of myself because that kind of ties into relationships, too. But we'll get there. Uh, Hands-on experiences. This is what's uh, encouraging a child to actively learn. They need to interact with real objects and real people and do things for themselves. And this is what's going to allow a child to apply learning. Uh, So make sure that we're not doing things just for the sake of doing them. It's not just an activity. That has no teaching value just to do something. We've got to help the child connect it to real life. Uh, I can remember a a time when uh, teaching two-year-olds. And Laura was the little girl's name. And Laura um, had been, uh, she was a regular, she was always there early, we were always interacting. And Laura's mom came to me one day and said, I need, I need to tell you a story. She said, I was um, hemming or, or mending something on, on daddy's pants, daddy's, you know, hemming or replacing a button or doing something like that. But I was sewing something for Laura's dad. And Laura came by and said, Mommy, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm sewing the button back on Daddy's shirt. And she said, oh, you're working with your hands. That's what the Bible says. Good job, Mommy. And kept going. And she said, all of a sudden, like it made sense Like how real God's word was to my two-year-old. Because she was connecting the activity I you. you are good. You just say it out loud and it shows up. I'm amazed. Oh, oh <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. We're straight to joy with <laughs> like your prairie quiz. You got a direct line. That's okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, Laura's mom was like, this is like, This is amazing. I never understood how she's learning. So much. And Sunday school, it was connected to what, what the learning. She'd heard her teacher saying it over and over again. You know, you're working with your hands. The Bible says the Bible says that. You're doing what the Bible says. And even a two-year-old then was able to connect this activity with a Bible truth. was learning because it was applicable. It was a hands-on experience. And she's able to translate that into other settings outside of church. That's cool. That's something we can do for our kids, too. So, hands-on experiences, doing, that's it. That's great. Um, What else? What's the next one? Satisfaction. This one's huge. Satisfaction is kind of hard to understand at the the beginning to me. It's kind of like, well, uh why is that one important? Well, because a kid needs to have an experience that they are able to do themselves and complete. C2 completion. And a lot of times their idea of something being finished is not the same as my idea. You ever seen them painting? And they go, shh, 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 and I'm done. Well you're not done. You didn't paint anything. It didn't look like anything. You only used one color. You're not done. Or especially we see it like in DBS when we're making a craft and they all look the same. You know, then you then you know, okay. That's probably something the teacher did and not something that the child did. So it's important for a child to have an activity that allows him or her to work until he or she says, I'm finished and I'm happy with this. Uh, It's important for a child to be able to do the puzzle by themselves, not for them to get so frustrated that you step in and do it for them. You need to step in and guide them and help them know, okay, have you tried this piece? Well, show me where you think it goes. If it's not the right place, why don't you try it here? Or you're really close, keep turning it until it fits. Offering them guidance without taking over and doing it for them because they need to be able to reach satisfaction with the job that they're doing. If they don't, guess what? That's when you have kids who go, I can't do this. You ever had a four-year-old tell you, I can't draw? Will you draw this you can draw. God made you creative. He made you able to do it. And you will do what is exactly right for you. And it doesn't have to look like mine. And it doesn't have to look like his. And it doesn't have to look like your big brother's. It looks like what you want it to look like. They need that satisfaction because they're going to end up coming, encountering another challenge the next day, the next minute, the next week that's going to be bigger than this one. And if they have been deprived of that ability to do it themselves, they're not going to be prepared for the next challenge. So growth is stunted that way. So we can make sure we have lots of opportunities for kids to choose those activities and to work them to completion. That's why satisfaction is important. How about the next one? Relationships. Relationships. That's a big one, isn't it? Relationships are huge. Relationships among one another with kids. Um, at different ages that looks different, right? You mm-hmm. work with two-year-olds and they don't really care if there's anybody else in the room. They're not going to play with someone. They're going to play next to them. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky if they're able to play next to them for a long time, right? Yeah. Without there being some kind of scuffle, right? Yeah. So, our expectation then in that scenario is to make sure we understand how God made those kids to work, right? We can't expect them to share. They can't share. But we can help them take turns. Right? We can help them to develop healthy relationships in their peer group. We can have healthy relationships between adults and children. And that's really, really important. It's not all kids have healthy relationships at home. Right? So we need to make sure that we're providing them examples of godly women and what that looks like and how we interact with and how we treat one another with respect, how we demonstrate love. Uh, by respecting a child as a whole person, not a little person who one day is going to be a whole person, right? Their feelings are important, their needs are important, their words are important, and we get to take the time to kind of block everything else out and let's focus. That's why I love having every teacher responsible for an activity in the room, and it's it's happening all at the same time, because my interaction with a child may be different than yours, when they come to you, you have an opportunity to find out what's been happening in your day. What was school like this week? Or, or, you know, tell me about, I saw on Facebook that you guys went to the splash pad. What was that like? Having an opportunity to really connect and get to know kids. And, you know, kids will tell you everything. And you may find out things that you probably shouldn't know, right? But you can use that information then to continue building a relationship with that family. So use them as your little spies. <laughs> that just happened. Uh, Did it really? <laughs> with the deacon, the child came in, this just happened Sunday. He's four, uh-huh. and we were having a birthday party for one of the little girls and he said, just out loud, my dad sleeps in his birthday suit. Oh. And I said, what? <laughs> she said, my, Mommy said my dad sleeps in his birthday suit. So I couldn't wait to get up front. I went to that deacon and I said. <laughs> to the deacon, I love it. <laughs> your birthday suit went on. Suit. It was very I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, as we're developing relationships with with kids, it's these it's these relationships, these conversations, these interactions uh, that's helping the child make more sense of the world and and their place in it. They're allowed to to discover that and see that interaction. Even when they're in a great home with great parents, it's important for them to know to start uh, building foundationally a concept of what the church is and what it means to be a Christian and they only get that when they have interactions with other Christian adults. So we're getting to model that for them as well. Next up, oh wait, I should also say this. because This is kind of in my VBS world. Relationships are why it's so important for us to learn kids names and correctly. And if it's a name that comes from a different culture than yours, it's important to learn to spell it and to say it correctly, because a name is a name. and My name is unusual. Melita is not one that I encounter very often, and I do not like being called Mel, or any other you know, shortening of it, because my name is Melita. And so, to me as a kid, that was really important, that somebody get it right, and they say it with a T and not with a D sound. It's not Melita, but Melita. That's important, and so a kid who's like me that has maybe a strange name, Learning that name and using it correctly is important. Uh, like in VBS, you're learning the kids' names. They wear the name tag, and then you don't know who they are day two. I mean, I understand. That's hard to do and to remember. And there are some tricks like, help me find your name tag. Mm-hmm. Oh, good morning, friend. I'm so glad to see you. And once you've figured it out, then you can start using their name. But by day three, make sure you like, Make sure you know their names. Make sure you know who they are. Make sure you call them by name because they may see you in worship, or they may see you in the grocery store. They may see you somewhere else. And it's really important that they know I, my teacher knows me because she knows me. Anyway, so box off of that. On to the next one. Imitation. Imitation. This one's great, isn't it? This is another way we find out a lot of yeah. stuff because, you know, you go going and opening the... The um, refrigerator, little play refrigerator in home living, and they—what do they pull out? Do they pull out a brewski? I mean, sometimes they <laughs> do. Do they mix up a drink? Sometimes they do. I mean, you find out all kinds of stuff just by imitation because kids want to find out what's going on in the world. They want to figure out how it works, so they're going to play out everything they see. That's why it's important for us to have things like home living furniture that's appropriate for the age of the child. But a vacuum cleaner, a mop, a broom, uh, a a pot, and a a few cups. I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot, but we need to make sure they have opportunities to play out things that are familiar to them so that they can imitate it. Because that's how they learn. They're learning how those things work together. Um, (laughs) uh, This also becomes really important for us because... Um, you know, from from my words from my mouth coming out of my child's mouth, that happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to be careful that what we're doing in the classroom is the kind of things we want the kids to do. So if we're not going to let them sit on the table, we can't sit on the table either, right? Mm-hmm. And if we, you know, if we don't allow them to have a drink unless they brought enough for everybody, then our coffee needs to be finished before Sunday school those kinds of things, because they're watching, and they're seeing, and they're imitating, and they're going to, we are the ones we want them to imitate. So our our behavior, our actions, those kinds of things need to be modeling what we want in the classroom as well. Next step. Play. Play, the short and sweet one, I love this one. You know, play is a child's work, plain and simple. So when uh, when the deacon comes down the hall and looks in the window, yeah, I want him to see play. I want him to see it, see us at play. And I kind of also want him to say, All y'all do is play in there. So that I can stop and, and correct him. Yeah. Say, like, Ah, what we're doing is important work. Which don't understand is that as we were doing this, we were helping them. Connected, We were giving them uh, chances to experience the world and to see how it works. And we were connecting that learning right back to Bible truths. And of course we were playing because that's how a preschooler learns best. It's important work. And it's, be- it's for that reason that I don't know why anybody would sit in an adult class. Why you don't have people beating down the doors to try to teach preschoolers. Because it is fun. This play is great. And play is a time when we get to build relationships. We get to experience things in a a sensory way, in a hands-on way. We get to make application through it. We get to try and fail and succeed all at the same time. It's a fabulous tool for teaching. Uh, Through play, a child is learning concepts. They're applying concepts. They're accepting responsibility. Learning what happens when I kick down his block tower. I have to help build it back. Taking responsibility for the room and putting things away and treating things with respect and treating one another with respect. That all happens through play in those interactions. Learning how to communicate with others. Learning how to get along. How do I work with adults and how do I work with peers? All that happens through play. They're getting a, a greater understanding of the world and how it works. And, and again, their, their play in it. Or in their place in it. Um, keep going on and on and on that it plays the best that's important important work what's next repetition repetition what was it <laughs> are you sure <laughs> it was what repetition yeah repetition absolutely and that's key because uh, this is uh, this is fantastic news for us because that means we don't have to stress about things. Because if they've done this activity before, it's okay. They'll do it again. They've heard this Bible story before. Great. Make sure I don't leave anything out. You know, it's, it's okay. They may present it as, uh, this again. But they really love it. Because that's how God made preschoolers to learn. To do things over and over and over and over and over again. You don't believe me? How many times have you had to watch Frozen? Right? How many times have you had to listen to the BBS CD in the car? Because it just keeps going. They want the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's great for us because it gives us a chance to reinforce every single time. There's a God who made you. There's a God who loves you more than anything. There's a God who sent his son for you. Those In foundational ways, we get to teach that truth right up until we have to send them on to children's ministry. We've done our job well by repeating these kinds of truths over and over in every session. Uh, This is is what allows a child to really begin to grow and to learn because they build on a success. They do it again and again because after they've had success and they do it again and they have success and they do it again and have success, man, this is fun, I'm gonna keep doing this. Mm -hmm. So we provide these kinds of opportunities for them. It's comforting to the child to know what to expect it's empowering to the child to experience it again and again and again because they know what's coming. They know, you know, kids kind of get dragged around a lot and stuff happens to them. They don't really have a choice in much of anything, and so repetition allows them to feel like, Yes, I got this. I know how this story ends. I know what's coming next. It might be scary, but I know how it ends. So we get to have those relationships as well. Uh, so we want to read it. They want us to read it again, to tell the, the story and the verses over and over. You can get a lot of mileage out of a Bible verse in a single session, right? Because there's so many different ways you can do it. Singing it and, and breaking it into words and pointing out the words, even when they're not able to read yet. They can learn to, to that clusters of letters are words and we can point to. We can find it in the Bible. We can do so many things over and over and over again without it ever getting old. Uh, this is also really great for anybody teach babies or ones or twos. I mean, this is fantastic because it means you don't have to have 16,000 things planned for the morning because they want to do it over and over again. You put it out, they may play with it for just a little bit. If you put it away and you bring it back 30 minutes later, it's brand new again. It's fantastic. So you don't need to plan five activities. I'm going to plan three and I'm going to have three out and then I'm going to take one away and I'm going to bring it back out later and spring. again. So, repetition helps us a lot. So, that's that. Everybody's okay? We're all on the same page? Feeling good? And you've seen all of these, right? All of these characteristics exist. So now on the other side of that, there's a little pop quiz. Sorry not school, but school's back in session, so we're going to have a little pop quiz. I'm going to give you about a minute just to think through and, and make some guesses, and then I'll, we'll talk through it together, and I'll tell you the real ones. But uh, this is, these are all percentages. So thinking about how um, preschoolers learn, how they remember, and what effective teaching looks like. which to, to think about what's the percentage of things that they remember when they hear it, and when they see it, and when they hear and see it together, when they say it, when they do it. One minute, go. Okay, everybody feeling good? Mm-hmm. Confidence, you've got the right answers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me neither, and this, is, this is just, it's crazy. It's almost an impossible task, but I think it's kind of eye-opening. So, anybody want to venture a guess about uh, what we are able to remember when we hear something. Is this it's just, just one time? time. Mm-hmm. Just one yeah, just time. one time. Very low. It is very low. Uh, when, it, when for us, we remember about 10% of what we read and 20% of what we hear. So hearing for preschoolers about, you know, about 20% retention, hearing it. And, and this may be, you know, you, uh, you're just, I'm just talking at you. And I can say it a couple of times and you may remember it, you may not. <laughs> So very, very low. How about uh, next what we see? Higher. It's a little bit higher. 25%? Very close. It's 30%. So what you see, you remember, so that's great for those of us who prefer to read a book, like to see it. It's helpful. How about together when we are able to hear it and see it? 40 is actually higher than that. Really? It is higher. Cool. 30 plus... So that one is 50. It's, yeah, it's 50%. Yeah, yeah. good job, Matt. Yeah. yeah, 50%. So that's a good combination. And, you know, that's, that's a fairly high retention rate. But it's, it's not the best. But about half, okay? Sure. What about when we start adding... Um, oh, yeah, what they say. Goes up a more. About 60%. When they're able to tell you what they know... Yeah, then they're remembering it. They're able to say it out loud. We get a little, little bit higher. How about, um, last one, remembering what they do? 75. Five. A little bit more. Said so 80? 80. 80. It's 80. 80% of what they do. And here's something that's really cool. This is one that's not on here. But we remember 95% of what we teach someone else. So if you can ever get a preschooler to the point where they're the ones that get to to show a friend how this game is played. Or they're able to, to help with reviewing. That's why reviewing isn't really important after a Bible story. For you to tell me what you've learned. For you to help me to understand. Like I've never heard this before. For you to be able to, uh, to teach me something. Man, then it goes way, way up. So you see, we, it's a combination approach. We don't want to just be spitting information out at them. We want them to be able to regurgitate it, but we also want to be able to let them get their hands dirty with it, for them to experience it, for us to connect it to their play, for them to learn in the best ways. It's a multi-layered approach. So that's kind of cool. Just just something for fun, just because I thought it was interesting. Um, it's been said that you never step in the same river twice. I don't know if Pocahontas said that or whatever. ish Pocahontas-ish. Pocahontas-ish. But you never step in the same river twice. Why? Because the water is always changing. It's always flowing. It's, not, it's literally not the same water that you just stepped in, right? Same way, you never teach the same child twice. Because the child you had last week is a different child coming in this week. Because they've had so many more experiences. They've seen something. They've done something. They went to school this week. They went to the playground this week. Something has happened that's different in their lives. Their minds are exploding, and what they're taking in, because of the, the age and the rate at which information is coming in in these first five, six years of life, it's astronomical. And so you literally are not getting the same child. So you need to be able to grow with them and get to know this child this week. What's happened in your life? What's made you different? What's exciting to you today? Because it might be a different thing. Who's your best friend this week? You may start out being one, and then by the end of the session, it's somebody else, right? I remember one child, two children, in my kindergarten Sunday school class who were best friends, but they also butted heads you know, all the time. And so here they were as 5 year olds girls, yes. So they were just like this, and they wanted to do everything together. But in group time, one time, I don't know what the story was, but it was something about, you know, forgiveness or something, who knows? But I remember one child very clearly who said, <laughs> and we caught in her and she said, I know someone who needs forgiving. <laughs> Session June, they were not best friends. But by the next week they were again. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are always changing and growing, and that's what makes it fun. And it makes us never get tired of teaching. And it's always a new experience. Got new kids every week. It's great, it's fun. I love it. Uh, so now I've got something again a little more interactive, a little more fun. I apologize, I can't hang it on the wall so that everybody can see. But we're gonna play a little game. And we're gonna toss. Bean bag and try to get it on one of these eight here. These are eight learning styles and if you don't want to take notes, they're on your purplish-bluish sheet, whichever one that is. You've got your cheat sheet there. But if you want to add to the notes, that would be just fine. So we'll walk through each of these individually. But who's the first step? Any physical learners who are just dying to move? Here it comes. Ooh, sorry. Ooh, good catch. Oh. Oh, okay. Which one were you going for? I was going for the one in the corner there. This one, I thought you were. I could just tell. You might want to guess what kind of learner. This nature. one Nature. Yeah, this is a natural learner. Natural learners uh, are—they love to interact with the natural world, right? These are kids who are sensitive to God's creation, and they—they they have an ability to identify things in nature. These are bug kids. Snake kids, shark kids. Anybody got one of these kids? Me. Uh, you. You are. You can tell us that you know uh, every bri- every single one of the dinosaurs and what their actual proper name is. I got kids like this. This becomes a uh, you know kind of ooh, sometimes for me I got a you know kid who really's into snakes and I don't want to have anything to do with snakes but in order to engage this child maybe I need to have a book about snakes and you tell me what you know about them you I need to bring you some bugs, dead bugs, and and I have a collection of dead bugs. So like <laughs> you need to come it's to my study good room. Good. There's always something dead. <laughs> <laughs> and this, these are the kids who, yeah, are going to be completely fascinated. There is, there was a dead roach in the boys' bathroom the other week, and the boys came in, tell you. Know, Whoa! Oh, there's this enormous bug in the bathroom, and then everybody had to go to the bathroom, right? Because these are the bug kids. These are the ones who are going to be, be enthralled that there's something in here. There's a, we found a spider on the windowsill. No, 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 don't kill it. We've got to take it outside. That's going to be important for these kinds of kids. We don't want to step on it or throw it away or flush it down the toilet. We've got to be the rescuer, and we need to do that because those are that's important to these kinds of kids. Uh, these are uh, these kids are uh, everybody is smart. You know that, right? There, and there's different kinds of smarts, and so this kind of child is going to be nature smart. So it's going to be one who feels responsibility for the world and for the things that are are living there. Um, and in the same way as we have kids who want to protect the bug, there are gonna be other kids who cannot learn until the bug is out of the ring. Right? So you've got a So it's important to act quickly because nature affects us all, right? It really does. These are kids who enjoy uh, caring for plants and for pets and they like to collect bugs and other things, the natural materials, and they may have a rock collection, a leaf collection, a bug collection, and they have all kinds of things. Seashells? Absolutely. So you don't just have to have a plant in the room to take care of or a seashell collection or a nature shelf where you display things. But it might be kind of cool to have um, when we're talking about caring for animals or talking about uh, being a family and everybody having a job to do. Maybe that's a time when you bring in a stuffed animal. uh, Real, true looking stuffed animals and we we play out a vet. Or we play out a, a caring for the pets and we have water, a, you know, food bowls and brushes and a leash and we talk about caring for them even though it's not a real animal that connects with your nature-loving kid. So making sure we're sensitive to that. I, I have a, I don't know where I got it, somebody gave it to me, but an ostrich egg. And it is enormous. And it is so cool, you know, once or twice a year to break out that ostrich egg. And it has a hole in it, you know, with all the stuff drained out. But we like to look inside and feel it and see it. And even though it's something that I couldn't replace if it was broken, I let them hold it. And they feel it in it. Because, again, they need their senses, right? Mm-hmm. And we use this as um, well. Bringing in what we have, Ruth, once a year, right? We're going to talk about Ruth. Bringing in real barley wheat letting them see it, letting them touch it, letting them break it, letting them t- pull the seeds out, uh, bringing a book, bringing a mortar and pestle and talking about how they had to take this that had been growing and turn it into something they could eat. Man, that's experiential learning. Talking about the hard work that it was that Ruth did and why she she did it because she loved her family so much. She was going to do what it, what it take, whatever it takes to take care of Naomi because God God loved Ruth. God loved Naomi. God made them a family. That's a cool thing to bring for a natural learner. That's going to be a huge learning experience. So, anybody know any natural learners? Mm-hmm. Did you? Excellent. We got one there. Who's up next? Oops. Sorry. It's a bad throw. <laughs> not a bad catch. It's a bad throw? Um. I'll just go with. I was trying for the drums. Well, you can have it. Drums it is. What do you guess this music? Uh, this learner is a musical, a musical learner. So this child is going to be a um, uh, just going to be music smart. Also, they tend to be math smart too, because music is the purest form of math. Just kind of cool. So this kind of kid learns best through rhythm, through melody. They're going to be the ones like me who remember the song forever. That they learned. Uh, so I had a uh, music smart child a few years ago who sometimes needed a little reminding. He was the most delightful child in the whole world. But, you know, sometimes needed some <laughs> reminding during group time of, you know, keep your things to yourself, do that, stop that, you know, whatever. And um, often if I called his name and I, and I asked him <laughs> to stop or fast asked him to do something, it was like, I'm not even talking. One day I tried singing it to him. <laughs> I responded immediately. He's a music smart kid. He also thought it was funny to sing like an opera singer, and so sometimes I would say, Dad, please stop, and he would just laugh and then do it back. Okay, because he just because music is what his language was, and you can get to him just through music, through through beats, putting something to a beat. I love this. This is very important. Uh, chant, rhythm, sound effects. are here with a musical note. Uh, they're going to be sensitive to environmental sounds too, like if that clock was making a sound, Joy, you might not be able to listen to me, right? Because it's just, Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. I'm going to be distracted by it. I told somebody last night, my mom is a musical learner, and she, there are some stores in the mall she will not go into because the music is so distracting to her. She can't, she can't shop, it's ugly music. You know, she's so in tune, nothing else in, in the in the environment, well, there but it's the music is so overpowering and that's a musical kit so you may uh, may find that things like a siren are going to completely disrupt or a ticking clock may be disruptive. we may have to take that off the wall or get one that doesn't tick or reorient group time to another place in the room to help a musical learner. One thing for me is the reason I said because I have a song that I sing start Mm -hmm. singing at circle time Yeah, and they know that you know when I start you mm-hmm. know, you know, and they mm-hmm. know, and they'll all stop, and they'll start, and they take a couple of times, yep. you know, to get them a, where they're all, and they just all fall in, mm-hmm. you know, instead of saying, just be quiet, circle yep. time," you know. Yep. It's just a positive way to just pull them all in without having to say a word. Absolutely. A lot of people use a cleanup song Mm -hmm. to help them know it's here's a transition time, it's time to get ready for the next thing, and it doesn't take long at all for everybody in the room to just kind of fall into place. Mm -hmm. I love it. Music's so powerful. Uh, uh, A a musical learner may have a hard time remembering simple verbal instructions, but if you sing it, chant Mm -hmm. it, put it to a beat, uh, if, if you want them to learn or to remember something that's new, that's the best way to do it for them. Uh, a, this kind of child gets really bored with long reading or writing assignments. So that gets to be a little bit of a trouble later on in school years. So that's a musical learner. Anybody know any musical learners? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, excellent. Who's up next? Whoop. Almost got your head. <laughs> okay, watch out. There you go. Yes. Alright, what about this learner? Physical. Is physical. Yeah, physical. Sometimes referred to as kinesthetic learner. It's the same thing. This is a body smart kid. So they are hands on. They need to put their hands on something in order to find out more about it. They're going to be moving all the time. This may be a child that needs the fidget spinner or the fit something in their hand that usually that doesn't make noise, it's not distracting to others, but they may need something to help them at times when they need to focus or they need to sit still. Um, these kids are often labeled hyperactive or ADHD, whether they are or not. That just tends to be the label assigned to them because it's very hard for them to be still, but that's okay. Uh, it, it, this is a kid, if you try to make them be still, that is the only thing that they will be thinking about. It's they won't hear anything you've said. you try to force them to sit. So why should we try, right? We just need to find a way to incorporate them. These kids are going to be well-coordinated. Um, they may be good with their hands. Uh, they may be good at building things, fixing things, creating art projects. I mean, they just, because their whole body is their instrument, they're able to use it so well. They may be more of an athlete, they may not be. You can have physical learners who are not coordinated, who are not athletic. The best learning activities for a physical learner are gonna be hands-on, right? It gets, the, it gets their whole body involved, so too much sitting, too much inactivity, for too long they'll just tune it all out. Uh, these kids may also love to act things out, they may be very dramatic. They may uh, uh, enjoy storytelling, and the more of their body they can use in storytelling, the better. Okay, question. Yes. Do you have a child, and you know, even though you keep circle time to a very mm-hmm. little, tiny, you know, for different classes, but three-year-olds, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a child that just cannot sit still, cannot be still, cannot, you know, what is? Give us some, you know ideas on, on what sure to do in that situation. What my first mm-hmm. go to is always to get a buddy, to assign a teacher right to to be with them, to help, to remind, or to let them sit in your lap, or to sit next to them, or to you know help keep things mm-hmm. distracted. I've also seen things like a koosh ball or, or or this is not a good example, but something that's small and having a com a private conversation with the child and saying, I know that you, that you you're, you know your body just needs to move and that is cool but uh, I need for you to I need for you to help me and be my partner mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you something that nobody else can have and I don't really want anybody else to see it's just for you mm-hmm. if you will you know could you hold this for me while you listen kind of make it a challenge and make it something special and usually they come to you to this it and they if it's something that they can Mm-hmm. You know, pull on, fiddle with, hold that's not distracting. They, they're able to do that and still listen at the same time. And I kind of like to make them, like, pull them in into my inner circle and make them part of kind of this secret mission. And it usually helps when you put that spin on it. Anybody else got a, a word of wisdom that has worked well? Well, I've, I've used, um, um, I tell the child, okay, I'm going to put some glue right here on your seat Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I'm going to glue you to your seat and when you're glued to your seat you can't get up and you can't move until I pry you (laughs) So I've had kids, you know, sitting on their hands, and all they move is their little eyes, you know, while they're glued to their mm-hmm. seat. But you can get their attention for just, you know, a short little time. But, you know, sometimes that helps. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen um, people who will define a space, mm-hmm. you know, taking out a, a big square on the floor or using a hula hoop or, and doing it for all the kids. But saying, you may move, but you have to stay in your square where mm-hmm. you have to stay in the, inside the hoop. And that lets them mm-hmm. still do what they need to do, but in, you're controlling the area in which it can take place. So it can't be in somebody else's square, it's in your square. And making it large enough that it gives them the, the space to move. So again, p- putting the kid in the driver's seat is huge. Letting them be in control of their own body mm-hmm. and making the choices for how, they, how they're able to a- accommodate your request so we can be the ones doing the changing because mm-hmm. it's hard for them to. Uh, let's see. What else? We got a, a few more. All right. Numbers mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and puzzles. What kind of child do you think this is? What learner? Logical. 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 Yeah. Anybody know a logical learner? Mm-hmm. Anybody married to a logical learner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some uh, Sometimes it can be crazy, right? Uh, logical people, they're going to love order, puzzles, lists, sequences. These are numbers smart people. Uh, they are going to love, um, quite often, classifying things into categories. They may have a, a particular order. My nephew, I think, is a logical order, uh, a logical learner, and he likes to line up all of his imaginings, characters. That's how he plays with them as he first puts them all in a line. And they have to go in a sequence, and all the Batman's have to go together, and all of the, the Spider-Man people go together. You can't mix them up. And he loves to have different bins and sort them. And each each time I come over, it's a different kind of sorting that he has done. You know, and he may sort all villains together and all good guys together. The next time it may be by. Marvel Universe, which makes no sense to me at all, but they do to him. But He's he's a classifier. He's a sorter. He puts things into a sequence. He's going to figure out a solution to any kind of problem. They want to know how does this fit together in the world. Uh, They may also enjoy experimenting. What would happen if I did whatever? Sometimes the experimenting is not something we want, right? Uh, what would happen if I put this long block on top of this short one, and then I put this round one and I hit it? You know, can I make a catapult? Can it go across the room? They may try it because they want to see again how this works together. They're looking for. They're always asking why questions because uh, they're they're looking for answers, right? They want to find the order behind it all. So answer their questions as best you can and help them find answers to more difficult questions. It's okay to say I don't know or I need to go and do some, I need to look that up. I need to see if I can find an answer and I'll come back next week. Will you rem- will you remind me that I'm supposed to have an answer and I'll have it for you next time? It's okay. They, but they want to know. So it's important when we say things like that that we actually do it. right? Um, Here's a caution for you. A true logical learner is going to have a really hard time functioning in in chaos or confusion or disorder. And so if you are a hot mess or if your room is a hot mess, Mm -hmm. guess what? This kid can't learn. So we need to make sure that we keep the chaos and the clutter to a minimum. We need to keep uh, to make sure for a logical learner that the things in the room pertain to that session and not to last weeks or not to last years. <laughs> you know, Because it's important for this kid that things have an order and make sense and, and feel like it's not crazy all around them. Um, what's next? Anybody? Or you want me to just start kicking? Anybody else need to move? All right, here she goes. Boom, she got it. What do you think about this one? Artists. Yep, these are artists. So what kind of a learner? These are Visual, yeah, an art-smart person or a visual learner. They learn best through pictures and through images. Uh, these are the kids who, as you tell a story, are going to create a picture in their mind of what this looked like. So I, I always, when I'm telling a Bible story, I don't show my picture While I tell it, because I I have so many visual learners who want to create the picture for them in their brain. You ever read a book series, uh, and you've read them all, and then the movie comes out, and you're disappointed? Because that's not what they looked like, or that's not what that was, or he is not nearly as handsome as I thought he was, or he's more handsome than I thought You know, we we all are doing that, but a visual learner is doing that to the extreme. And so as you're telling a story, they're going to have seen in their mind that there was, uh, you know, Jesus was sitting on the mountain teaching people about God, and so they see the mountain and the flowers and the grass and the tree, and there's a bird that went flying by, and it was a sunny day, but it had some clouds. That's a visual learner. They're going to see it all. It's going to be very real. And so if you show them the picture, they're going to wonder, Why was this guy mad? Not, And they won't hear anything about Jesus read from the Bible scroll words that were written about himself. They're going to be focused on this dude here. Happens every time. So allowing them to make that visual image for themselves and then using that image to reinforce or to review is great for visual learning. What else? Um, These people may also be known as daydreamers. They're going to be able to to envision all kinds of fantastic things. They may enjoy mazes, puzzles. Uh, They may like to spend their free time drawing, building with Legos, anything that allows them to create. Uh, they can react very strongly to the interior of a room as well. So if it's cluttered or if the color is overpowering or there's something in there, they're going to notice it right away. They can get overstimulated. Uh, If something is lost, this child's going to know where it is because they have taken it all in and they remember it's here. Or that word was on this side of the page at the bottom. Visual learners can do that. Uh, they may have difficulty with reading and writing later on because too, there's too much printed on the page, not enough white space. Uh, but as they get older they're going to tend to, to prefer seeing words and reading in order to, to learn information. So visual learners. Anybody else need to move? Seeing none, I'll move forward. Here's one right here. Anybody got a guess? of, yeah, reflective the learners. It's just here by themselves. This is a self-smart person. Um, this person needs time to ponder, time to think, to apply information. They need time to respond. If you ask a question and there's not an immediate answer, doesn't mean they weren't listening. It just means they're still thinking. So give them just a minute, or may or call on them later. I'm calling them first. Allow them time to think and respond. They uh, may be classified as loners. They like to be by themselves. It doesn't bother them to be the only person sitting and doing this while everyone else is over here. They're not being antisocial. They're just fine. Uh, They like going their own way in their own time. Uh, These are reflective learner adults. I love this little note here on the back for me. If, you, if this is you, you may not be able to keep up with the sermon because you've just stopped listening to ponder one point. <laughs> you know, and that, then that leads you to something else, which leads you to something else, and you've got to learn all this. And so this is, this is true of kids, too. They're not going to be the first to raise their hand. They're not going to be the first to answer, but they are still learning. They're usually fiercely independent. Uh, so sometimes they can be labeled as hard to deal with uh, if they're forced to learn in a specific way. But this kid needs needs some time. Ask about their interests. They may be slow to warm up to you, but once you once they see you as their mm-hmm. buddy, they're going to be your buddy forever. It's so a reflective learner. Uh, they they're going to internalize all the information and process it that way. Last one, I believe. Nope, maybe two more. Two more. You know what? Let's do the opposite of a reflective learner. Let's do a relational learner. This is my little social butterfly. Right? Highly, highly social. They have been from the very beginning. You can see it in the crib. You know, They're always this way. This is going to be the child who is right in the middle of everything because they need to be with people. Not just I like it, but I must. I need to be right in the middle. I'm a people person. So they want to be where the action is. This particular uh, relational learner, they may be the the, the middleman. They may be the peacemaker that's making everything right because they like for people to get along. Uh, they are group oriented. They're going to remember names. They'll remember the kid who only visited once and then comes back again at Christmas. They'll still remember their name because this is a people kind of person. They usually have a lot of friends, and they are usually born leaders. They like to take charge of everything. Because they're the people person. So they learn best through activities that require kids to work together or have lots of kids together. So they like games, they like plays, they like discussion groups. They're going to have a really hard time if you make them do something, you know, silent reading. If you make them do it alone or by themselves. They want to work with a partner. And so that can be helpful too. Even if it's something like, um, I want you to tell the person next to you one thing you remember from the Bible story gives them an opportunity to partner up with somebody and say something and and engage with the person, then they can come right back to you. So, uh, that is a relational learner. And then the last one. If you don't know by now, this one is me. This is the verbal learner. This is uh, sometimes referred to as a book smart person. A, A verbal learner loves words. They're usually early talkers. Uh, And then when they start talking, that's in complete sentences. You know those kids? Yeah. Verbal learners uh, like to talk everything out. We're going to talk to people to process things. We're going to talk to ourselves in order to process. Sometimes that's internally. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm talking to myself out loud like a crazy person. That's just who I am. We're going to be really compatible verbal learners with relational learners. Why? Because you need to be with people and I need somebody to talk to. We're going to be best friends. Right? This is the kind of learner this is, um, and they enjoy reading. They enjoy writing. They enjoy storytelling. They um, are going to express their ideas verbally to everyone. This is the kind of person, like me, who um, cannot tell a story without telling you all of the details. It drives my father crazy. He's like, "Can you just tell me the point?" Like, "No, but you really need to understand who was in the room and what the order was, and and what the what I was wearing that day, because it's important to me." And, creating the whole of the story, right? That's a verbal learner.
1: Uh, they may be
0: good at puzzles, like, you know, wheel of fortune, scrabble, word, word and, and letter kinds of puzzles, uh, and need to be given a chance to express themselves verbally whenever possible. So again, allowing time and group time or, uh, or during an activity to talk and tell me about what you think, that's really important. So we've got all kinds of different learners, and I've got a few things up here. And I'm just going to choose some at random, and you help me know here in the last, because we've got, what, six minutes, five minutes? Or are we out of time? I don't even know. What's our time, Joy? I think 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, oh, right? Oh, oh, Good. we got just a couple minutes then. So I'm going to choose something. You help me know what kind of learner might benefit from this, and I'll give you a hint. There are multiple answers. Mm-mm. It's not just a one and done. So how about this little puzzle this little here? Visual. Yeah, this could be a great visual learner because it's a picture here of the Bible story. We can use it to talk about what happened the day that Jesus came down to the river and he met John and what was going on and why was, it, what, was what is he doing? And have you ever seen anybody do something like this in our church? It's not in a river. What does it look like in our church? We can talk about these things with preschoolers. Logical, logical a logical lesson. learner because it's a puzzle, yeah, and they want to be able to put the pieces together and to make sense of it. And if you had a couple of things out, you know, you want to go, oh, I mean, wouldn't you want to work that if you saw these laying next to it? Yeah, I want to make sense of this image and put the pieces back together. Who else might like it? A physical learner, especially because there's magnets involved. That's something different than the way I normally do do a puzzle. Who else? Relational? Relational if I'm doing it with a friend. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or reflective if they doing it by myself. Reflective if it's by myself. and I didn't require anybody else to be around me. Yeah, all kinds of learners. Great job. All right. Let's see. How about this one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A natural learner would love this. And they would be able to tell me that this one came from India and not from somewhere. They'll know where the tiger's from. Or they'll know which kind of tiger it is. Or they definitely will know it's a tiger and not a lion. (laughs) It's not just a cat, it's a tiger. Who else might like something like this? Physical physical learner, yeah. Yeah. We get to play with it, maybe I'm adding blocks, maybe I'm going to build a zoo, or I'm going to build a a place for this tiger to live. Maybe a musical for sound effects and stuff. Oh, absolutely! (laughs) Musical learner, yeah, it's going to bring it to life. yeah. Great, pre-work. How about Mm -hmm. about this one? Natural Natural. learner. Who's the experimenter? Which group? Logical learner. May as well. Uh, How about... Oh, this timeline. This is my favorite thing. This came out, I don't even know what year this was in my pack, but I have saved it and use it every Christmas with my kindergartners because it's got the pictures. The whole, You know, when we have a whole month that we're getting ready for Christmas, we get to put the, the Bible story on each day in the place it goes. Logical, 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 Logical learners, absolutely. Visual learners. You get to see a timeline of when things happen and it's so helpful when we have Isaiah and then we had to wait 300 years but that we have no concept of time in preschool. But we can see this was a long time between the time when God told people Jesus was going to be born and then the time he actually was born. Man, that was a long time. The people had to wait and wait and wait. There's a different level of understanding now for a preschooler that they weren't able to have before because they could see it mapped out. Yeah, And let's see. How about, there's also not just songs on here, there's games, there's sound effects, there's all kinds of things. So it allows me to use it with several different kinds of learners. So Anyway, I just wanted to bring out a few things so that you could see how they go through. And I know that you have probably all of these learners. And I should say that people are not just one and then nothing else. We all have all of these elements, but we tend to go toward one primary one. And that's the way that God wired us that's us, who we are and how he made us and how he wants us to, to be. And so we can celebrate that. And I just want to give you a little bit of an idea as you're planning sessions, as you're using your curriculum, as you're choosing this activity and not this one to make sure that it's balanced and that you're providing opportunities for all of the kids that you teach to learn in the way that God made them to learn. So... Everybody okay? Good? Everybody happy? Excellent. Let's go to lunch.
1: Thank you guys for being
0: here. Thank you.